Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com. More than a pleasure to have back with us Leo Girard. Leo Girard is president of the United Steel Workers Union. He is a favorite guest on the show, and we are so glad to have President Girard of the USW joining us on this Tuesday. Leo, good to talk to you, my friend. Thank you good for to joining be us. And it is, there's, there's so much uh, to talk about. Um, recently, as you know, our President Donald Trump has stood alongside technically just Syria in thinking that the Paris Accords are a bad idea. And the president says that the Paris Accords is a job killer to be part of this Paris Climate Agreement. But the reality is that this is a sector, renewable energy, where there is a lot of job creation, good jobs and green jobs, that also help our environment along the way. So I would imagine that you, as president of the USW, not only critical of this, but are in complete disagreement with what the president has said with regard to jobs. Well, we've, we've been in the United Steelworkers since the 1960s. We held one of the first conferences ever held on what we then called anti-pollution conferences because we knew that but went out the plant, whether it was through the water system or through the air system, was first exposed to our members in the plant. So we led uh, long fights for cleaning up workplaces and cleaning up the environment. Uh, the fact of the matter is that uh, we then, later, about over 10 years now, created the Blue-Green Alliance because we did not believe that it was good jobs for a clean environment, as some would put it. It was either over the long haul in the midterm, we'd have both clean jobs and a good environment, or in the long run, we'd have neither. So it was pretty surprising, based on what we know, that first of all, this was a voluntary agreement. It was uh, one that uh, each country got to set its own standard, but then to be held accountable by its peers voluntarily to that standard. Uh, when we formed the Blue-Green Alliance, the one thing that we wanted to do was promote the fact that there could be green jobs in cleaning up the environment. Uh, coal plants are um, subject to a lot of criticism, but the most carbon dioxide that makes it into the atmosphere comes from buildings. Buildings are the greatest emitter of carbon dioxide. So we've taken a campaign and uh, been on it for a long time now retrofitting public buildings to the current scientific standard to uh, retrofit schools, to retrofit those places would have a huge impact. And then to make the the new air handling equipment, the new, look, at we, we produce glass, our members produce glass that is scientifically designed to keep the cool in in the building when you're in the summer and to keep the heat in the building when you're in the winter so that uh, it's much more efficient and schools could save money, public buildings could save money. We've just spent a number of, well, we spent a lot of money retrofitting our building, uh, and we'll get our money back completely in 15 years. 
That's better than you can get by making an investment in a bank. So yeah, no, no question about it. And when and when you when you make such changes and improvements to buildings, you're creating jobs, not just with the labor, but with the materials that are needed. But one of the things that we were we we've been aggressive about is that we need to make sure that we're as assertive on the domestic manufacturing side of green energy as others are. Uh, China has a standard that you need 85 percent domestic content in China to be able to put up a wind turbine in China. Uh, China took a position that they're going to lead the world in the development of solar panels, regardless if they have to sell them under the cost of production. So what we need to do is unionize those, those plants, and we need to fight a trade deal that says China is selling solar panels under the cost of production, uh, because that's what they said they would do, because they want to dominate those two sectors of the new economy. Uh, there's more steel in a wind turbine than there is in a bunch of cars. That's not a, got nothing against cars, but that just says you can also sell steel when you're making wind turbines. You can't make a wind turbine without iron ore. You can't make a wind turbine without metallurgical coal. So you can have a campaign that says we want uh, clean coal, we want the best environmental standards for coal, we want the best environmental standards for steel, and by the way, the steel industry in America and in Canada met the Kyoto Protocols many, many years ago. When you talk about China, is it fair to say, with what Donald Trump has done, pulling the United States out of this internationally accepted deal that I look at as a part of an alliance, along with our allies, a part of a, a unified international team you know, for the majority of nations in the world, are we, in a sense, by withdrawing from this agreement, um, saying, hey, China, here, let us help you be a world's dominant force in the economy, in green jobs, in more jobs, uh, in, in this area? Is that what we're doing? Are we basically ceding this sector to China and to other countries? Uh, yeah, we, we, we are. But, you know, and, and when we talk about China, we need to keep in mind that they cheat. So not only are they determined to be the world leader in solar panels and wind turbines, but they also are determined to be able to capture the world market by selling under production. So if we don't have a vibrant solar panel industry, a vibrant solar panel, I mean, wind turbine industry, well, not only will we fall behind to the Chinese development of the technology, but we'll fall behind because they cheat, and they'll, they'll go and flood the markets, not just in America, but all around the world. People may not know it, but the first commercial wind turbine was designed and, and fabricated just outside of Cleveland, Ohio, uh, many years ago. And we had the, we cornered the market on it. But uh, slowly we've let it slip away because, as I keep saying, China cheats in all its manufacturing, including wind turbines, solar panels, geothermal, um, kind of glass that I'm talking about, the kind of air handling equipment. Uh, you know, we could we could develop, and if we had a 20-year program of retrofitting commercial buildings to the highest economic standard, we would then be able to design and fabricate and redo research on the most efficient air handling equipment. We could do design on the best ways to insulate, uh, and as I said, we now can produce glass that uh, responds to heat and cold in a positive way. So there's, but but if you're going to do it with no no long-term plan then it's going to be hard to get an industry to invest. 
I know that uh, use Pennsylvania as an example. When uh, Governor Rendell was the governor, we helped him establish a renewable energy standard, and we had 1,200 people making wind turbines in an old steelworker facility uh, and uh, for the company called Gamesa. Not long after he uh, ran out his term and we elected a Republican governor, he canceled the renewable energy standard, and Gamesa couldn't uh, get a market for its wind turbines because that time there was no national. And when President Obama tried to get a national energy standard, renewable energy standard, it got boycotted by the Republicans. So we had no national renewable energy standard. So it was a hit and miss on who would manufacture wind turbines. There's a lot of wind turbines going up in America. Lots of them are coming from China. Lots of them are coming from Germany. Lots of them are coming from Spain. And a few are coming from America. You know, there's overwhelming evidence of the impact of, of climate change. And when we look in labor, environment, other business leaders, everyone agrees it's bad for the U.S. economy, also bad for the environment. AFL-CIO president, who I know is a buddy of yours, Rich Trumka, he called the action a failure of American leadership. Uh, president Gerard, you are a leader of a huge organization. Um, is this a failure of American leadership on behalf of the president. Yes, and uh, with no reason for it, except uh, possibly to um, sort of placate his, 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 his base, some of which uh, don't believe that there is such a thing as global warming, including not very long ago, the guy who's now uh, head of environment federally, environmental, whatever we call the title, commissioner, uh, he, he has spoken that uh, global warming was a hoax. Uh, and the fact of the matter is, look, it, uh, it doesn't make sense to hide, in the, hide your, your abilities. Global warming is here, whether they want to acknowledge it or not. All you got to do is go north, and, and you talk to the people in the in the Inuit community, the people that live up nearer to the North Pole than we do, ask them what's happening to their their lifestyle, what's happening in their places. And they can tell you that they're losing ice, they're losing tundra, they're losing that stuff at a rate that's never been seen before. Uh, so global warming's happening, and then you take the next step, and you say, well, are we contributing, yes or no? And clearly the answer is yes, it's being contributed to by by uh, human activity. Well, if it's being committed to by human activity, why don't we take the proper step of say, how can we move to remove carbon from the atmosphere and do it in a way that protects and maintains jobs, retrofitting public buildings, retrofitting our equipment, putting in the best air handling equipment, retrofitting our factories and our facilities so that we're capturing heat and reprocessing it, so that we're capturing and doing renewable forms of energy with biodiesel, biofuels. There's so many things that could be done in a positive, constructive way that uh, would lower time. And, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're not going to be foolish. And, and, and you know, I can, I can say this. Uh, our union has been an environmental union since the days that I can remember. But at the same time, we shouldn't try to fool ourselves that uh, moving out of Fossil fuels is going to be instantaneous. Uh, we, we will need fossil fuels. Like I said, you can't make a wind turbine unless you have steel. You can't make steel unless you mine iron ore. Um, 
so that to think that we could eliminate steel, um, it's more than steel in buildings. Steel goes into everything we do, including computers. So we need to have a long-term view about how we do it in the most environmentally sustainable way and, and continue to do the research and development. You know, when I was a kid, uh, the town I grew up in was considered the pollution capital of the world. Uh, now, you go back there after these years, there's 300 lakes within the city limits. It's a large geographic city with a not too thick population. Of those 300 lakes, you can swim or fish in 280 of them. Uh, and that, that's taken 40 years of retrofitting the, the, that area. We're going to take a break, and we're going to be back with President Gerard, and we're going to talk more about uh, this bad deal. I want to read a cute uh, email as we go to break here. Kevin Ferguson in Albuquerque says, Leo, I have a bumper sticker version of this. There are no jobs on a dead planet. We'll be back. I'm Leslie Marshall. He's President Leo Gerard, president of the USW, the United Steelworkers. Check him out, usw.org, and follow him on Twitter at uswblogger. Follow Leo there. We and follow the Steelworkers at Steelworkers on Twitter. We're going to take a break. When we come back, your calls are more than welcome. 888-6LESLIE, 888-653-7543 is the number. Pick up the phone and join us. President Leo Gerard is in the House, president of the USW. Leo, thank you for holding. Welcome back. Let's take a call. On line three in Manassas, Virginia is Ishmael. Ishmael, I know that you have a question for Leo. Please go ahead. Yes, thank you so much for taking my call. And greetings to you, Mr. Gerard. Um, um, I just want to ask, I mean, when, when are we going to get some money from these uh, Patriot millionaires, you know, so we can start running jobs in these Roosevelt states, you know, that, that pretty much gave the election to Donald Trump, you know, asking basically where is the job that you promised? Where is the, the, the infrastructure bill that you that you promised us, you know? We need to start running ads. We need to go in the attack, you know, Mr. Gerard. Well, look, at I, uh, <laughs> I never believed that that was there anyway. And uh, so so far, they've uh, they've sort of been like the Trojan horse. While we're having these fights, as we should have about Russia and all that kind of stuff, there's things that are happening on a day-to-day basis, like pulling away good regulations that uh, for workplaces, uh, for deregulating some of the great environmental protections we need, uh, looking at deregulating the the uh, Department of Labor and removing standards for training and development uh, so that I was never one that believed uh, President Trump, if you give him the benefit of the doubt, could sign an executive order, but the executive order isn't necessarily governing. And then if you try to bring legislation to this Republican extremist Republican Congress, you see the kind of stuff they did. That health care bill that they tried to force down people's throats and people really grew up or, or got up and rejected it, but nothing more than a 400 and some billion dollar tax cut for the ultra rich. And they paid for that by cutting benefits and making it harder for people. If you look at the tax plan they're putting forward, it's not going to create jobs. And when you look at the infrastructure program that they're, they're alleging to put in, it's not going to create jobs. It has, doesn't have a domestic content requirement. It doesn't have uh, uh, a proper funding system. It's a private partnership where if they're going to fix the road, you're going to pay a toll. If they're going to fix the bridge, you're going to pay a toll. If you're going to fix the airport, you're going to pay a higher premium for your airport costs. So they'll want to take it out of the taxpayer's height all along. And, and what we need to do is have more, um, I guess, going after not only the president, 
We need to go after the Congress. But we need to have a Congress that is actually going to do something. And, uh, you know, that the fact of the matter is, let's talk about renegotiation of NAFTA. And again, if we give our negotiators the benefit of the doubt that they would try to negotiate an improvement for workers, ask yourself if you'd be able to get that through the Congress. So not only do we have a problem with President Trump, we have a problem with the Republican extremist Congress. This is about an is as extreme a right-wing Congress as most of us have seen in our lifetime. So I think you're right. We need to go on the offensive, demanding good jobs, clean jobs, and demanding that uh, we have an infrastructure program that fixes things. When I was talking about carbon in the last segment, if we had a 20-year commitment to retrofitting and helping cities and towns and counties retrofit their public buildings, helping school boards retrofit their public buildings, we would take more carbon out of the atmosphere than any other thing we've done. The, the, the most important environmental decision that was made in the previous eight years of President Obama was the renewable energy standard. Once we got the renewable energy standard done, I'm sorry, the renewable cars, the uh, car emission standard. I made a mistake. Am I going too fast? Oh no, no worries. Uh, you know what? Take, it, a emission, take a breath. Take a breath, Leo. Take. A, we're going to take a break. We're up against break. We're going to take a break. Be right back. We're back with the president of the United Steelworkers, the USW, President Leo Gerard, Ishmael Holding, Manassas, Virginia. Ishmael, did you have any more questions or comments for President Gerard? Yeah, sure. I just want to end with this. China cannot be trusted to be a leader on anything because they're profit and greed-driven. They don't, you know, there's, I mean, they, they're not. their interest is not to make things better. It's just to make money. So we really cannot afford to take a seat back. We, you know, we are the United States, and we need to be a leader in, in everything. We started this process a long time ago, and, and they just recently uh, started to get into this, this program, and they cannot be trusted because they, they, they're, not, they're not in it really to better things. They're just in it to create a profit and make money. And thank you so much for taking my call. All right. Thank you, Ishmael. Uh, me, uh, any comment on that, Leo? Yeah, let me just say that Ishmael is uh, 1,000% right. But in addition to the fact that uh, uh, they cheat and they have a different approach to uh, long-term manufacturing. The other thing they're now doing is that they're taking the transfer of wealth that we've created by that literally trillions of dollars of accumulated trade deficits, and they're now buying and building plants in America. And, and for example, they're building a tire plant, a billion-dollar tire plant in the south, uh, southern United States with a bank that's actually an arm of the Chinese government, and you know that that bank is going to fund that tire plant, and that tire plant is going to sell tires in a method that they will want to dominate the market and put American companies and American manufacturers out of business. It's not just the making of the tire. It's the equipment you need to make the tire plant. They'll also put them out of business. So that the fact that America is uh, giving away its leadership in manufacturing, and it's not just with... Uh, with climate change, they've been doing it since the passage of PNTR with China. Uh, and China has taken that uh, they're fed up of us beating their ass, excuse the language, in trade cases. They're going to take the wealth that they've accumulated from us and build plants here, but funded by the Chinese banks. And that should be unacceptable. They're doing it with pipe. They're doing it with tires. They're doing it with automobiles. 
They now they've now exported Buicks from China under the cost of production, even in Mexico. When we look at um, other countries, and you, you know, you had mentioned uh, NAFTA, I, I want to go back to the condemnation of this decision by the uh, president, um, because along with you and other people in the labor area and the environment, there are business leaders, but high-tech executives, right? Companies like Apple, Microsoft, Tesla, oil giants, ExxonMobil, uh, ConocoPhillips. These are all companies that say this is a bad move, Donald Trump. Why do you think it is, Leo, that the president didn't listen to the will of the people, uh, labor, environmentalists, business leaders, especially from different fields like High tech, you know, when you talk about Apple, Microsoft, and Tesla, as you know, uh, Elon Musk uh, left the advisory committee he was on with Donald Trump after this decision. And even, you know, oil. In, in other words, other than fulfilling a campaign promise, what's in it for Donald Trump? Because it seems to be that he or uh, people that want to pollute and benefit from polluting, having and creating jobs and products overseas are the only ones who benefit from this. Look, I think he was really placating his his, his extremist base uh, and uh, didn't give a damn about the rest because what he wants to be able to say is, I lived up to my my comment or to my uh, comments. I said I would do this and I've done it. He, he's simply playing to his political base on the things that he thinks he can do. Uh, when he says he's going to build the wall, he can't build the wall because he can't get the funding to build the wall. Uh, but he's going to keep fighting that he is. Uh, on this one, he was able to placate his base. And, and the reality is that uh, it's a voluntary agreement. Uh, and, and so by, by, by sort of refuting the agreement and refuting what others have said, the reason we have so many corporations from the steel industry, from the tire industry, the oil industry, the chemical industry, even uh, the CEO of Dow Chemical was criticizing the president's decision. And, and, and the reason that they see it is that they see in the long run, they're, they're at least wise enough to think 10, 15, 20, 30 years from now, as we move away from fossil fuels, as we move to more sophisticated forms of uh, energy, I mean, we're even going to be able to generate algae from growing algae. Uh, and, and so they see that that's the future, and they think it's wrong for America to pull out of that because a lot of companies will now move to someplace else, whether it's Europe, whether it's uh, China and other parts of Asia. I mean, I saw the president of France on a TV where he said, if your country doesn't want to fund environmental research, we do. Come to France. We'll help you. I mean, so if you start having some of the, 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 the best academics, the best researchers, the best climatologists, the best people who are thinking about the future, like I said, growing energy out of algae, uh, having biodiesel energy, having geothermal, having the kind of air handling equipment that cuts down uh, the need for power by 90%, yet gives greater efficiency. All those things would come from research, and if we lose the researchers, we lose the lead. So that, uh, the, these business guys, they're, they're not necessarily my friends. They're not friends of working people generally, but at least they know that their company in the future, if it's going to survive, needs to be part of this attempt to reduce global warming. I, I want to talk about some decisions that you see happening, Leo, in the United States, some cities, some states like where I am in California, and their reaction to the decision by the president to exit the Paris uh, climate deal. 
Um, there are mayors, as you know, throughout the country, um, such as in Austin, Steve Adler said, Austin will not stop fighting climate change. And we're seeing that not just here in the United States, but even worldwide, that they want in cities and they want in states to lead in achieving climate treaty goals because so much of what's required happens at the local level. Uh, Milwaukee, Washington, D.C., San Diego, St. Louis, and I want to talk Pittsburgh because Pittsburgh, your mayor there in Pittsburgh, and where USW is headquartered, and a city that Donald Trump, I think, likes to liken to Paris. Um, he, you know, Pittsburgh is one of the cities, along with others that I've mentioned, that pretty much are saying, well, you know, you may pull out of this deal, but we're going to keep the promises America made within this deal because we realize the consequences if we don't. The, um, let me just say that not only did the mayor of Pittsburgh respond to Respond. The county executive, Rich Fitzgerald, responded. All of the elected members of city and county council responded, and all of them responded with telling the president that Pittsburgh is not going to back up on the work that we've been doing collectively, labor management, the financial community in Pittsburgh. To be blunt, we've all worked together. We've worked with the universities. Uh, we've done all kinds of great things together. We've built... Uh, the David Lawrence Convention Center was one of the first environmentally lead certified convention centers. We did that together, labor management, the financial community. Uh, if you look at what's happening in California, you know, over, over many, many years, you look at some of the stuff that's been done in California. California was sometimes the lead on, on things that were related not only to the environment but to manufacturing uh, and anti-pollution stuff 25, 30 years ago. And California is committed at, at every level. The state house, the uh, both the House and Senate, the uh, mayors of the major cities, as you said, the governor, they're all committed to keeping the thing going and doing the research and development in California. And we shouldn't forget that California has the eighth largest economy in the world. If California was a country, they would they would be the eighth largest in, by by economy in the world. So. California is going to play a very, very important lead. If you look at the fact that not only mayor of Pittsburgh, but over 100 mayors have come together, you come to the number of financial institutions have come together. You look at the academic institutions. Pittsburgh is a university town. We have a lot of great universities. Those universities are working with our city, with our, our, our sort of our manufacturers, to do things even more environmentally sound in greater Pittsburgh area. So. It, it, it's a disappointment. I mean, it's, uh, you know, as I keep saying, it was voluntary. There was no need to do this. And they're, they're yelling and screaming that, well, America had to fund the development of, you know, renewable energy in places like India and other third world countries. If that's the worst that we got to do is foreign, foreign aid, God help us all. I want to talk about some um, other issues. And can then the cities and states in making these decisions and in saying that regardless of the withdrawal of the Paris Climate Accord, uh, these cities and states that want to remain uh, focused on a healthy and sustainable environmental plan, um, can those cities and states be job creators in spite of uh, the president? And I do want to point out that John Kasich, who ran against uh, President Trump uh, for president as governor of Ohio, um, knows that climate change is real and, and 
you know, it's a global issue that we need to address. So in other words, Leo, if we're as a nation, so many cities and mayors and states and governors are in agreement, hey, we don't care if the president's pulling out, we're going to do our part. That's one thing here in the United States, but it still keeps us disconnected globally. Look, I think that uh, you're going you're gonna to see, and I've never seen people come together so quickly, by the way, mayors and governors at cities, etc. But you're going to see very quickly where you're going to get, you know, whether it's 100 or 150 or 200 municipalities come together and develop a, their, own, their own sort of Paris Accord, if you want to call it, and then they'll be advocating that. You'll see those cities and states put together their renewable energy standards. Then you're going to see some of them fund uh, research and development with their universities. So I've got some faith that uh, the, the, the sort of institutions of America, the, the governors, the, the municipalities, the educational, the labor movement, will come together and will move the agenda forward. And I think we'll still have a seat at the table because there's no place on earth that has better higher education and research than America. And I think in some ways this is, this is going to be a backfire on the president and his people because uh, people just know that this is the right thing to do. As I said, we're, we're in, in our union, we're, we're the most diverse manufacturing union in North America, maybe the world. And uh, we've got people that make the nuts and bolts to hold the, uh, the wind turbines together. We've got people that uh, are developing, as I said, the glass. We've got aluminum that now is as strong as uh, with uh, has some titanium in it. That uh, and we've got steel that is super strength high alloy steel uh, that can uh, be held to make wind turbines. We, we've got all of the stuff, and and that's that's going to expand when you get all of these mayors and governors coming together. And what we need to do is we need to win more governor seats, more state houses in the uh, upcoming elections in 2018. We need to defeat some of the right-wing extremists that want to punish people by taking away their health care and doing all those things. And then we'll build a new coalition for a clean environment. Look, I I started this when I was a kid, as I said, in the town I grew up in. Uh, and was the pollution capital of the world. The astronauts came to, to practice landing and walking on the moon because we had no vegetation. And now it's one of the greenest cities in Canada, and it's got 280 lakes that you can fish and swim in out of 300. And we got 20 more to go. My brother works at it every day, and he's retired. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, I want to talk about China, Nicaragua, and I want to talk specifically about uh, one of a couple of, there are so many, but most recent blogs for the Huffington Post by Leo at the USW and talking about the United States and where we stand in the world and where we've been with regard to innovation and technology, specifically in combating climate change, how we've been leaders and how uh, this could very well change. We'll be back right after this. Don't go away. I'm Leslie Marshall. One last segment coming up. And we're back. I'm Leslie Marshall. He is President Leo Gerard, President of the United Steelworkers. Follow him on Twitter at USW Blogger. Leo, you have so many uh, in the Huffington Post every week, uh, great blogs. One entitled, USW criticizes the Trump administration's decision to withdraw from the Paris Climate Agreement. And in that, you talk about it as being an inexcusable blow to the U.S. economy. You say the agreement is ambitious, non-binding, and transparent. It stands as a landmark global achievement in the fight against climate change. 
And then you go on to say, for many years, the United States has been a leader in innovation and technology to combat climate change. And you spoke to this earlier. Withdrawing from this non-binding agreement further seeds our strength in the sector to China, which we discussed as well. And signals to domestic innovators and manufacturers that the United States will not support them. Does pulling out of this deal not only hurt jobs, but entire sectors of labor like manufacturing? because of the message that it sends within our country, that signal to the domestic innovators? I, uh, I unfortunately believe that uh, this will be perceived by not just a lot of corporations in America, but by a lot of leaders around the world, that the leadership of the administration currently does not believe global warming is a problem. And uh, I think if, if that's the belief, then it's clear that the researchers and the scientists and the innovators will want to go and work on these problems in a place where they believe that their government supports that idea. And, and to be blunt, I hope I'm wrong. Because, as I said, I'm very proud of our members. I know that uh, Corning, as example, is working on glass that is uh, actually pliable, so that if you're thinking about glass for making wind turbines, think about glass that can be almost as thin as saran wrap. I may be exaggerating a bit, but think about what happened if they could do that, what we could do to the price of solar panels, and what we could do to dominate that. If they believe that that's not going to be a big deal in America, maybe they'll go do that somewhere else. I don't want them to do that somewhere else. When I talk about wind turbines, the most important thing about the wind turbine is how the blades turn. And if you can make them so that they need very little wind to rotate, then you're making the wind turbine that more efficient. The wind turbine only turns 30% of the time, then you've got 70% of the time that it's sitting doing nothing, and you have to, you have to find a way to maintain that, that energy. You have to store that energy. Well, how are we going to find batteries? Where are we going to develop batteries for storing renewable energy? But if the wind turbine can turn 70% of the time because of the new efficiency of gears and, and uh, the like that go into that research, think of how much better that is. So I'm not a scientist or a researcher, but because of my fortunate position as president of the union, I see places that we had local unions and members that made these kind of projects uh, and uh, were very, very good at it. And hopefully their jobs will maintain and be, be enhanced because Hopefully we'll have not only universities, but governors and councils and state houses that will believe that we're doing the right thing and they'll support it. When we look at the announcement as a threat to the innovative green jobs in the U.S., is it in a sense President Trump saying, oh, you can't have good jobs and a clean environment. You can't have both. Because you, as president of the USW, and the USW, your union, has long believed that we as a nation can have both and that we must to go forward. Look at that. The position we've taken since the 1960s as the Steelworkers Union is that it's not good jobs or a clean environment. If you try to do that in the long run, you'll have neither. It's good jobs and a clean environment. So that everything, I mean, I'm going up to Canada to do a presentation on diesel emissions in mining. 
Well, one of the things that we got to do is we got to clean up the mine environment because that's what goes up the stack. So what are we going to do? We're going to put scrubbers on the underground scoop equipment, the underground equipment, so it will capture the carbon before it goes up the stack. Uh, 25 years ago, no one was thinking of that. And so diesel emissions in an underground mining environment are important. Uh, what if we could capture those diesel emissions and turn that carbon into something else? There's research going on literally on turning carbon into a fuel. But it takes a lot of water to do it right now. Well, I remember when a cell phone was the size of a lunch bucket. So as they keep doing this kind of research, uh, we, we'll, we'll find new things. But what if that research goes on in China? Or what if that research goes on in Germany or France or Spain? Uh, and what will that mean to our long-term future? We'll be buyers, not sellers. Thank you, Leah. We love having you. Like you said, workers want a green economy, not a black environment. President Leo Girard, international president of the USW, the United Steelworkers. Follow them at Steelworkers on Twitter and follow Leo at USW Blogger. I'm Leslie Marshall. Always more to come on the only True Democracy in Talk Radio.